welcome once again to the Global Gale Podcast, my friends. Christmas is just around the corner. If you're listening to this at the time it came out, it might be just around the corner next year for all I know because you're only catching up. My name is Philip O'Connor. You are, of course, listening to the podcast for the 70-odd million Irish people or people of Irish heritage around the world. How you define yourself, how you describe yourself, that is entirely up to you, my friends. This may be the last episode of the year because it's an incredibly busy time. Uh, I'm recording this on the 14th of December. It's going to be out fairly soon thereafter, right? Uh, But it's an incredibly busy time of the year. And luckily for me, I live in Stockholm, Sweden. I understand that an awful lot of you live an awful lot further away than that. And I'm in the position where I can nip over to Dublin and see my family now just before Christmas. Uh, My mum and dad, of course, still live there. And then be back here with my wife and my children in Stockholm. So I've just gone over for a couple of days fill the old suitcase with the tato and the selection boxes and what have you and anything else that might be ordered uh, i think i have to get a clad a ring for the youngest she's mad to get it because she lost the one that she did have so it's a very privileged position for me i'm delighted to be able to do it and to to sample the uh, the atmosphere of dublin at christmas time which of course is special when you've grown up in the city or of course if you came from the country and used to come up on the 8th of december if you've never been there uh, get it in there get a bit of tourism going lads any time in December is good and as we saw the tragic scenes recently uh, after the stabbing in Dublin where a care worker or a, a teacher's assistant educational assistant and some children were stabbed there around Parnell Square and the subsequent riots that happened you know we kind of have to take back our city from violent people and the only way to do that is by being there ourselves and by saying no that we don't accept this we're going to bring our money in there we're going to we're going to have like you know we're going to be on our own streets and we're going to take back our own city and that kind of thing in a very peaceful way lads not talking about violence or anything else like that but just to show people that we don't accept that we're not violent people we're kind decent people all around as are the 70 million Irish people around the world the episode I have for you this week and forgive me because I know I say this is okay it's an absolute banger and I'll tell you a story in a minute or the story of how it came to be before I do that I want to do two things right one is support the podcast patreon.com forward slash airman in Stockholm more about that later in the new year and that kind of thing and the other is that this year as I mentioned on the last podcast when I spoke to the great George Murphy about the passing of Shane McGowan and what it was like for George to sing at his funeral uh, we have launched the Global Gale Awards now not the Oscars, lads, right? Take a handy. So uh, we just decided to come up because there's a small, tight team of really, really good people that I'm privileged to work with. And we came up with the idea of doing some live shows and doing some awards to recognise great Irish people around the world, uh, people of Irish heritage around the world, community groups who are doing great things, right? Now, we don't have a huge amount of resources, so we can't organise huge online votes or that kind of thing. But what we can do is we can put out so uh, posts in social media and ask you to nominate people, right? So what we do then here and what we're going to be doing over the next week is we're going to be coming up with... Uh, the list, the long list, if you like, and we've already had quite a few uh, responses on Instagram and on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Twitter and everywhere else, right? Uh, so we're going to have five categories. Uh, I'll see if I can remember them all now. There's Book of the Year, there's Album of the Year, there's Athlete of the Year, there's Community Group of the Year, and Person of the Year. So when you've nominated all them, right, you have until Friday the 22nd to find a, po- uh, a social media post and stick your nominations in there. Once somebody is nominated once, if you see that, you know, Evan Ferguson, the footballer for Brighton who's from County Mead, he's been nominated. Katie McCabe has been nominated. Uh, Dave Rooney has 
has been nominated for his book that he talked to me about about anxiety. Uh, who else has been? Old oh, uh, Tyg Hickey has been nominated. PJ Coogan has been nominated. The Mary Wallopers have been. No- you don't need to nominate them again, right? Because we're not going to count all the social media posts. It's, it's not voting that way. And then when you've done that on Saturday, we booked in the team, right? And we're going to sit. We have four hours blocked off, and we're going to sit. We're going to go through all of the nominations that you make, and we're going to decide who we think as a team on this podcast most reflects what we're trying to do here and their achievements and that kind of thing obviously the more popular you are the better it's going to be but uh, so if you do want to do that get out there and that kind of thing but please circulate those posts as well because again this is all about growing the audience to reach those 70 million people around the world and to really build that sense of community and ultimately what we're going to do then is in the new year we're going to we're looking absolutely everywhere for money and funding and business models and everything and we're going to come out on the road and we're going to present some of these prizes at live podcasts out where you are in the world right one of them will likely be in london Another one will likely be in Dublin, depending, of course, on the winners and the guests and that kind of thing. And we'll probably have one here in Stockholm coming up to St. Patrick's Day as well, right? So keep that in mind. Uh, if we have to go to America, Asher, look at lads, we go. You know, if it has to be done, you know, who am I to say that the audience or the listeners, the global gale cats, I'll be over, right? But uh, yeah, so um, if you want to get involved in that, please do. Now, the other day I was sitting here, Friday evening, right? Dark, cold, miserable, Stockholm. You lads in Bondi Beach have no idea what we have to put up with here at this time of the year, right? Um, so I'm sitting here anyway, and I, I get a message. As, are, you, like, are you in Sweden is the message? And it's from a very good friend of mine that I've never met in person, right? Ten years or so ago, Anya O'Neill got in touch with me from Dublin, legendary, brilliant, competent, confident, wonderful TV producer, presenter, podcaster, radio producer, the whole lot, right? And she got in touch with me about a TV project, which I don't think ever actually happened. I don't, I don't know if it was an interview or whatever, but it never happened. But we've been in touch since, ever since. And it comes and goes because she's in different places in the world and I'm in different places in the world. But after that, Anya moved to Los Angeles a couple of years back. Right in the middle of the pandemic, Anya had decided to go and then the pandemic started. And since then, you know, since maybe 10 years ago, we've been trying to meet up all the time in Dublin and in Los Angeles and in New York. And the next thing I get a message saying that she's in Sweden. Now, lads, you, no more than, you know, people telling me that I have to go to New York to do a live podcast for you. You can't turn things like that down. So he says to her, oh, deadly, are you in Stockholm? No, says she. And she sends me a pin on a Google map to where she is, and she is out in the sticks in the middle of nowhere, north of Uppsala, which is like 70 kilometers north of Stockholm, as it is. So I said, right, I'm still not passing up the opportunity, lads. I said, I'll meet you in Uppsala, and I got in the car, and I drove out to meet her. And she then sort of spent the weekend, because Anya's a tremendous person, full of energy, full of creativity, full of love and light and spontaneity. And you know the way when you click with people like that just for the crack, like, you know, and you get so much out of talking to them about the work they do and that, you know, and we'd always planned to do the podcast you're about to hear, but we just didn't know what format it was going to be in or when it was going to happen, but it was always going to happen. So... We got through that first conversation on the Friday night, and that was the same weekend. On the Saturday then, the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden was having its gala dinner, and it just so happened that Anya was planning to move into Stockholm. So we said, right, I said, why don't you come to that? There's a networking day before, and then between the networking day and the dinner, we'll find you a ticket for the dinner somehow. But between those two events, you and me will sit down and we'll make a podcast. So we sat down in the lobby of the Elite Marina Hotel, uh, in the upstairs lobby there where the conference centre is, And like I say, I've known Anya for a long time, right? But when you sit down in front of somebody 
something magic happened, right? And we opened up, both of us opened up uh, to, to each other, and we shared uh, some experiences. But mostly it's Anya telling me about her experience of being in America, of coming from Tala, of the sense of, you know, the little bit of imposter syndrome maybe the people from Irish working class communities sometimes have. And how she sort of, you know, she decided, no, I'm going to follow my dream. And how she's worked, you know... We don't always reach the holy grail when we're doing these things. We all hit bumps in the road. And I just, it's such a wonderful conversation for me. I really, really enjoyed it. And I really got a lot out of it, you know. And and you'll hear that, you know, Anya and I don't agree on everything. We don't see the world in the same way about everything. But we agree on an awful lot. And we have a huge amount of com- in common. And I love her like a sister. And I'm delighted that she took the time and the effort and the energy to do this podcast. And I'm delighted that she's back in my life as well. Because she's left LA now. And she's back in Ireland um, I don't know if it's a temporary thing or if it's permanent, right? I think she will go back to America at some point, but she's really listening to her own self now, and she talks about the, you know, the, uh, the inner voice and this kind of thing like that, and she's really doing sort of some magical things there. So listen, I'm not going to talk anymore about it. Have a listen to this. This is Anya O'Neill from California to Hollywood to God knows when. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. <laughs> This conversation with me and you, Anya, was originally supposed to happen, I think, in September 2022 in Los Angeles, and we kept missing each other, and I ended up coming back to Europe. And then you eventually ended up moving back to Europe yourself a little bit earlier on this year. But before we did that, let's back up the truck. <laughs> How did you wind up in Los Angeles at all? What was it that brought you over there? I know. Uh, yeah, God, 2002 it was that we were trying to like connect and, and get a podcast together. Um, so what took me to Los Angeles? I work in TV and film mm-hmm. and I guess where is the hub of TV and film but Los Angeles? Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. That's the headquarters. That's the the monkey house, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not Ballymount Industrial Estate. No, where TV that's it, not anymore. No, even <laughs> yeah, even Donny Brook. Do you know what I mean? Now yeah. Rose wasn't good enough. I was like, nah, I'm going. I'm going over to the Mecca, uh, the factory, as as it's called. Mm. So um, started. I, do you know what's funny? Because I I had went to LA at the. I'd never been there before, and I went to LA at the end of a Vegas trip. So mm. went over to Vegas. You know yourself, gone a bit mad in Vegas, and then on the way home, we were like look to, to worm off the, the hangover like let's go to LA for a few days and just like wander around the beaches and relax so we went to LA and it was like when I landed there I was like oh my god this place is like my spiritual home and I just felt how long I'm gonna sneeze I have to edit that out now yeah of course I know I'm sorry no 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 well, I'm actually I'm just gonna leave it in <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys um, it's you know it's all these beautiful flowers I'm walking around smelling them all I'm like oh but um, anyway at the end of a Vegas trip I went to LA for a few days and it was like I landed there and my soul just was like you need to come here like it was literally it was literally like that it was just a L- good let instinct. me stop you there yeah I had the exact opposite in LA right <laughs> I had a similar thing I came up out of uh, the metro station in New York on around 34th street there and I had it there I thought oh Jesus I'm home yeah. right but in LA I always found it because there's no centre you know I just mm. I couldn't it's so big that I yes. couldn't get a grip on it what was it do you think that made you feel so at home well I think sometimes right and look this is probably going to be a spiritual woohoo but I, I do feel as, as humans we're here to evolve yeah. and there was something in my path, in my journey, in my story that 
was to be found in LA there was a chapter of it that was going to be in LA and mm. I'm very good at listening to my intuition like I wouldn't be one of these now that's like oh you can't do this and you can't go there and I'm like oh I, I have to go and live in LA now okay let's make it happen Fair I have enough, to go yeah. and live in New York like did, did that as well so I think it was just one of them things that it, it told me like my gut instinct my higher self whatever you want to call it the universe God whatever label you want to put on it basically was like you need to come to LA so I was there for a week, then ended up staying for, for another, like booked on to, to stay for another week. And I was like, I just love this place. There's just something here for me. Hey, I live here now. Exactly. I was like, what is this? I was like, I don't know what it is, but I just need to be here. So I came home and so this was, I like say the end of October. So I came home to Ireland and I did a bit of work around November, December and literally booked a six week flight, holiday, mm. vacation, work and holiday, whatever you want to call it, back to LA. So this was in 2018, I want to say. Yeah. Is 2018? Yeah, well, it would have been 2018. I literally, so I was there in 2017, came back, worked for another two months in Ireland, literally my first paycheck that I'd gotten when I came back, I booked um, LA yeah. to come over to go in January because I wanted to see, right, can I really live here? It was grand when I was over there for vacation and you're yeah. like going to the nicest restaurants and you're living, you know, I was like, could I really make a life over there? So I came, um, so I came back in January, went back to LA in January 2018, stayed for like the six weeks and I was like, yeah, I love this. And while I was there, I went, I met with um, immigration lawyers. Mm -hmm. So to see if I could qualify for a visa called an O-1 visa. So that's a visa for anyone that's in, in our industry. Yeah. Basically, you can apply for this O-1 visa. Now, it's hard to get. You have a lot of paperwork and stuff like that, but that's where... I think when you let like your higher power lead, you don't have to worry about it. Like mm. I knew when I stepped off and I was like, oh, I need to live here. I knew there was something going to happen that I was going to live there. Whatever it was, was just going to guide me just and take written me there. In the stars 100%. And that was it. I couldn't, you know, I was like, okay. And even like my career, I was like, I don't know if I can get an O1 visa. Like all the stuff my lawyer was sending me that I had to, had to have. Anyway, I came home after the six weeks and this was January and I remember I, I rang like emailed the lawyer at, that I met in Los Angeles and I said to her listen um, yeah I want to go ahead and start this process let's just try it. Like, mm. let's see what happens so that was February 2020, 2018 so like it, it depends how fast you want to get it and I wasn't necessarily in a rush. I didn't know what the process, how, how long it usually takes. I probably could have gotten the visa in like three months or six months or whatever. But I was like, I'm just going to take this as it goes. And like, you know, mm -hmm. I'll say, so they would say to you like, okay, we need these documents now. Okay, we need these reports now. We need these financial statements, whatever. And I was just kind of taking my time with it. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. like panicking or rushing. And um, so the whole process for me took a year, yeah. like a whole year. And then in February... 2019 it must have been or maybe I'm, I, I don't know whether I'm like missing a year or whatever but like that happens to us all I, yeah I'm kind of like was this even 2017 or maybe it was 2018 I'm not sure but but basically what happened was um, a year to the date that I put in for the visa mm. it was um, February 27th and a year later on February 14th I was walking into the American Embassy in, in Dublin Valentine's Day and doing my official interview to get my passport stamped yeah. so I knew so I left the embassy and they kind of tell you there and then because you're having an interview and they're like okay you, you've got your visa and I walked out of the embassy and I was like oh my god what a great Valentine's Day present yeah. I was in Ballsbridge in Dublin and I was like oh my god this is the start of it. I love it whatever <laughs> so um, so I got the visa and then a couple of um I think, do you know what? It must have been later. I'm thinking, yeah, it would have been 2019. When was the pandemic? 2020. Yeah. So maybe it was. Maybe it must have been 2019 then. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it was a year. So obviously it was 2019. I applied 
February 2020 got the visa, so we're still pre-pandemic. The pandemic hasn't happened, right? Yeah. And um, I went and March, anyway, got it in February, or got it, you know, the passport was sent out within two weeks or something. Mm. And I had booked to go and fly out on, I think it was March 6th. I'm sure the country then shut down March 5th. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go in two weeks' time. I'll push my flight out for two weeks. And then sure, look, we know what has happened. Who cares about the pandemic? The whole like, world closed down, though, yeah? The whole world closed down. And then in um, September then, so like a few months were going by. And then the thing is, it's eaten into your visa, your time. Yeah, yeah. So definitely eating into your visa and um, oh the girls look fabulous sorry we're in this fabulous hotel we are and we're just looking at all these gorgeous women go by with gorgeous dresses and Indeed. all these men and an suits Irish and Chamber of Commerce dinner this evening and yes. there's all the fine written boys and girls and I, ha- I guess uh, I haven't told you yet but I think I'm going to crash that event that's fine I'm that's, like why not I would expect nothing less from you <laughs> yeah Dublin that. woman do you know what I mean it's <laughs> like why straight not? in you know so uh, it's typical that's how things work um, so yeah so just to finish off that story then I the pandemic was happening in that time like while the pandemic you know I was doing a lot of meditation and, and but my visa was like ticking down I was like maybe I'm just not supposed to go and then in September 2020 I was like because the borders were all shut down yeah. Trump had shut the borders no one was getting out like there was no one coming into Ireland or anything like that or coming into America at all mm. so I was like okay but I was like something just told me I was like I'm going to do this I'm going to go so I had to book to go to Mexico for 16 days because mm-hmm. like you had to do it's like 14 day quarantine either side yep. so I booked for 16 days to go to Mexico went to Mexico and then went over to LA and then that was the start of my little LA journey so I missed like what six seven months of my visa or whatever and then went over so officially arrived on the 1st of November 2020 into LA LAX. That is extremely specific now for somebody who's jumped it up years about two minutes ago. But yeah, bang on, first November, and you're arriving. I know, to yeah. <laughs> you had worked. Um, I knew you as a fantastically talented and competent producer in, oh. in broadcasting and film and TV and all those things. Just a woman who gets things done, right? And I had no doubt that you were going to be a tremendous success over mm-hmm. there. But you didn't really go down the path that you travelled before. You kind of, you took a, a, a sharp right there and went into into acting, into doing different things as well. Yeah. Was that another one of those things where you just went right on you, listen to yourself here, this is what you want to do? 100%. Like I, so, so yeah, I was in TV and film for many years and um, I think there was safety in that for me because I kind of like hid behind mm. the camera, if you know what I mean. And I was always the one that was producing other people to make them be amazing and yeah. like doing that yeah anyway kind of just make it, making them be amazing I suppose and producing all this like wonderful TV and stuff like that but there was also safety in it as well for me and I always wanted to do like acting was always something I kind of dipped in and out of but never had the confidence to fully push myself into or to say I would love to try this mm. and also not really known if like did I want to just try this because I want to try it mm. or do I really want to do it like wh- what way and again it was a, a gut instinct and I was like, I'm just going to follow this. Mm. Like, if something told me tomorrow, like, oh, you have to go and, like, I'm looking out at the gorgeous ocean here in Sweden. and uh, or the, Is this a lake? This is a lake, right? Uh, yeah, it's a mix of salt and fresh water here, right? Oh, lovely. So, so that's where uh, so Stockholm, where we're sitting at the moment, ladies and gentlemen, is built on an archipelago, right? The lake is called Mälaren, but it ends up in the Baltic Sea. <sighs> So this is the the mix of, of fresh and salt water that we're sitting wow. looking out over here. Okay, yeah? we we'll love that, right? So just say something, like I got a gun, gut instinct that was like, okay, you need to move to Sweden and be like a fisherwoman. If I if that was something I was like, oh, I'd love to try that, I'm doing it. And it do, I've no, I don't need no rhyme or reason. I'm just going to do it. That's like it. I, I genuinely live by my gut, right? Yeah. I love the music starting now for our event tonight. God, I've been going ahead, yeah? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so, so I was like, okay, I want to try this. 
it's something that I've had a passion for let's just do it and can I ask you one yeah. thing before you go on right because for years I've wanted to do what I do now right I wanted to be a journalist I wanted to be the man behind the microphone the man in the newspaper the man on the TV right but I would never use that word to describe myself because I didn't have that education right mm. and, and indeed even when I had the education like I had the skills long before I had the education right but I was afraid to use that word. Be almost, for me, be almost like calling yourself a doctor yeah. or a priest or something that somebody else has to sort of approve you. Absolutely. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, with the look, that's our working class mindset, right? Like mm. that's our, that's our mind. Like I grew up in Tallaght in an area that like it, it was kind of like, oh, you, you don't fit in in these. Yeah, that's not for you. No, of course yeah. not. And, and then not only is it not for you, but you probably couldn't even afford to do it anyway. Yeah. So like, it's a total, it's, it's whatever your internal belief is of yourself. So, and like you said, you need someone that you think is better than you to approve you mm. and say, oh no, no, you can do it now. Yeah. And then that's why as well, it, working class people have like a really drive in them. They tend to get like, you know, two or three different degrees or they're doing this, this and this. And mm. they're, they're almost like working harder then say the people that kind of just waltz into these jobs are like oh well it's just it's it's given to me and it's owed to me and it's deserve and I'm yeah. deserving of it which is fantastic because that's the way we all should be Jesus I wish we were all like but that like, it, yeah. you know and, and it's sad and that's some of the work that I'm doing now which we, we'll obviously get to but so it was interesting because that that came back to kind of like bite me in the ass I suppose so I had the confidence with the producing and being behind the camera and I had that but then all of a sudden when I was stepping out and putting myself out and being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be an actor. Every fucking insecurity, can we curse in this podcast? Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it was bad. Every insecurity I had, every be- like lack of self-belief, any lack of self-worth, literally just all came to the surface for me. Everything. Yeah. So while I was over there, I was given such a mirror to myself as to, oh, you, you want to do this and you think you can do this and you think all these things. So any, like whatever it was, my the inner child, my my younger self was like, I don't want to do this. This is terrifying to me because I don't fit in here. I don't belong here. Let's just go back to our little mm. like shell of a life where no one really knows go who we are. back behind the camera go where nobody can see you. On you. Like you're making enough money. Like why are you putting yourself out here? So again, all of this came up for me in LA. So it, it was great the way I went over there for acting. But I got something. I found myself when I went to L.A. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I didn't find a career. I didn't find, like, you know, there's all these things. People are like, oh, you're going to end up over there and you're going to be married and you're going to be living and you'll never come home. I didn't find any of that over there. I genuinely found myself and I found who I am as a person. And for that, L.A. has given me the greatest gift that it ever could. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Were you happy there? For a time, yeah, for a time, and again, this goes back to like the gut instinct. The minute something is kind of wrong for me, I'm usually like, okay, right, I have to look at this. So when I first went over, I was, there was no getting me back to Ireland. I was like, ah, no, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is why all the years of like struggle and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. This is it now. It's paying off. And it was. And then, like I said, all this stuff that I hadn't looked at, all these traumas that I hadn't looked at, all these like I, I said these like I, I wasn't me Anya wasn't built on a strong foundation mm. so it came crashing down when I was you know put up I had to like look at myself really in the mirror so like any any personality or whatever way I thought I was was now completely gone mm. so for a while yes I was very very happy and then I was kind of like oh I'm starting to like something's coming up here I'm starting to not like this mm. And I didn't know what it was and I didn't know and it was very scary. And 
uh, yeah, it was just, it was happening for a while. So I think towards the last maybe five or six months in LA, I was extremely unhappy. Mm. And I think the only word to say, and I don't like to use these labels, because again, I don't want to take away from someone that is genuinely suffering with this, but I don't know if you would call it depression. Mm. Um, you know, I don't I don't know, but I feel that that's possibly what it was, because yeah. I was going through some sort of mental health crisis, a nervous breakdown or something. Mm. And I was like, what is happening? My emotions, I couldn't, it was uncontrollable. Yeah. So was I happy for a time? And then, like I said, then all of a sudden, then it's just the foundation. Like I, I wasn't built on a strong foundation. Yeah. So everything came crumbling back down. Once the pressure comes on, then 100%, there's no... 100%, you know? I wonder, Anya, because I was talking to a young actor in London recently and they said, you, you know, you go to college for four years and eventually, you know, you go onto a set and somebody just says, well, be yourself. Mm. In doing that as an actor in Los Angeles, was that maybe why? Because, you know, you're going out there, you're engaging sometimes in emotions, you're engaging in a sort of a role play and an examination yourself that you're putting up there on the silver screen or on yeah. the television for other people. Would that maybe have been what sort of triggered this, these things in you, that brought up these things in you, these uncertainties in you and these things that maybe you didn't like about yourself? Was that, you know, was it so close to the surface that this just sort of tipped you over? Well, I think... Um, I think it was maybe some of that. I think it was definitely in the mix because I would have been a very, like I've done therapy like practically my whole life. I've, I wouldn't be one that would shy away from emotions or yeah. shy away from, if, if something is ugly and has to be looked at, I will absolutely do that work. Yeah. So I think what it was, and, and this goes back to me saying why I was supposed to go to LA in the first place, there was obviously a part of my soul that couldn't heal in Ireland. You know what yeah. I mean? And and don't they say, like, you know, you're not going to get well where you got sick. Yeah, so, yeah. like, Ireland, as much as I loved it, had a very chaotic upbringing, a very traumatised life. Yeah. And although I was able to get myself out of that a good bit and, like, maybe, you know, kind of have some sort of remnants of a life, which I thought was great and I was happy in, mm. going, taken away from that, even that security blanket then being over in LA, I had no choice but to look at all this so it wasn't necessarily the act and what it brought up in terms of like yeah you have to play with your emotions and tap into these because like I said I would totally go there and be happy with doing that mm. I think it was more just unveiling every bullshit lie I had about myself like oh you're no good you can't do this because because you're going into like auditions basically where people are telling you that anyway yeah. so if you're going to be told that and you believe that? Well, you best—it's—it's it's double. It's—it's yeah, it's like double steroids. confirmation, 100%. Yeah. So that's going to be heightened by ten. Mm. So loads of things, and then I kind of stopped getting. I'd be a very mo motivated person, and like you know, one of these—it's go go go. It's twenty things a day you're doing, mm. blah blah blah, and like high achievement, right? So it's that. And it's has like, to be the I'm, best. Oh, has to, absolutely. So I was real one of those, and then, like I said, then it, 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 I started being unhappy in LA. And I was kind of not ignoring it, but I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to deal with it. So I was doing different things to try to deal with it, okay? Mm. So then I had no choice because, like I said then, this way I think it was depression because I was literally bedbound. There was days I couldn't get out of bed and everything was going wrong for me. So what happens is, us as humans, if we have to look at something and we're ignoring it, people, okay, are, are ignoring something, it tends to maybe go down the route of medication. Mm. But I was like, I just, not that there's anything wrong with that. God, oh my God, I'm such an advocate for people that if, if that's what they, they do. Do what do, you need to do. Yeah. 100%. For me, I was just like, no, this is something, I know enough about myself to know that this is something that needs to come up. What is it? So that meant I had to lay in bed for days at a time, sometimes without even showering. I couldn't get myself up out of the bed. Mm. And whatever it was that was just coming up. So it was like, 
in a lot of inner child work, a lot of abandonment issues, stuff I didn't even know I had, Phil. Like, mm. this is, like I said, I did therapy practically my whole life and none of this ever came up. Yeah. So this was all new to me. And I was like, oh my God. And the only way, like like I said, if, if the universe is trying to tell you something or teach you something or your higher self is trying to teach you something, it's eventually just going to be like, okay, you're not listening. Okay, boom. Here's more. Bed for two Here's weeks. more. Here's more. Here's more. It's there in your relationship. It's there in your job. It's there in your family. It's there in your relationships. It's there in your car. Every facet of my life was affected around this time. Yeah. I mean, my job, my relationships with the guy I was dating, where I was living, my car. All of this collapsed literally within the space of like a week. Hmm. And I was like, okay. I, I, there's so, someone's here. trying to tell me something someone's here. Someone's trying to tell me something here. Yeah. And I better listen. And the only way I could listen was to literally like do nothing with my life as in like I just was bed bound. My, mm. my, my physical body, I could get up. Like I really couldn't move. Just couldn't get out of there. Couldn't like, get yeah. out of bed. There was yeah. days I was just sitting in bed all day. But wasn't that an old expression? Like, you know, we used to say in Ireland, you know, there was two two or three things we would say. It's like, oh, somebody suffered with their nerves was one thing, you know? And the other thing was, oh, so-and-so took to the bed. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. but, but like, that's not new. You know? This yeah, is like, no, of course not. People no, have to do that because you just exactly. fucking can't function. Of course, like, that's know? literally what happened. So I don't know if that's a nervous breakdown. I don't know. There's probably some really smart psychologists listen to this and they'll be probably able to label what that was and again I'm just putting the label of depression on it because I don't know another one mm. um, and I, again I don't want to do that disservice to anyone that genuinely is suffering from that so I hope I'm not taking that away from anyone yeah, yeah. if someone's listening to this now saying like that doesn't sound like depression you know whatever I totally get that but it was just something for me that literally floored me and like I said, physically, my body then wouldn't allow me to do it and to try even be distracted. Yeah. I couldn't distract myself. I'm sure I couldn't even get up out of bed to shower. No, that's sure. the thing. You can't read. You can't listen to anything. No. You have no concentration. No. You have no, no You're just you know? lying there healing. Your body is just healing from whatever trauma has yeah. to come up to the surface. What was it that started the road back to the Anya, like the bubbly Anya, the, the competent, the, mm. the confident woman that you, you're in your normal self, that's yeah. who you are. What was it that brought you back to that? Right, so I genuinely think it was being able to look at what I was running from in the first place. So, grew up working class, so for me, I had to be high, like, grew up pure poverty mindset. You know, my dad, if he didn't work 20 hours a day, if, if, if we weren't working 20 hours and slugging ourselves, mm-hmm. like, we're not worthy of whatever, or, you know, it was just that mindset mm-hmm. of working class. And I always try to avoid that. And I always try to avoid then it being on like, you know, social welfare lifestyle, mm. uh, not doing anything. Like I was, I was going to college. I was getting the degrees. Like I went back to college to do a degree in English and history, uh, an honors degree of English and history. One of the hardest kind mm. of degree you know, degrees that's out there. But like even for what it was just for me to have that piece of paper to say to people, oh well, like I'm not. I'm not that Anya yeah. that grew up poor and was told she was stupid and she'd never amount to anything because look, I have this piece of paper now that tells mm. me this, right? And then again, it was like, but I have the RTE credits now to tell me that I'm not this anymore, yeah. right? So again, I was always running. I was denying that part of myself that grew up in a, like, you know, in an environment that probably wasn't, like I said, it's working class, I guess, if, again, mm. if that's the fucking label that you want to put on it. Hate D- labels. Did you feel a sense of shame about where you grew up and the, the circumstances 100% you grew up in. and I didn't know that's another thing so I thought I was like a proud Californian but at the same time I hid I let people 
you know... You wouldn't say in a nightclub queue or anything like that. Around like that, or I wouldn't, like, if I was in, you know, meeting the RT executives, I wasn't really mentioning Tala. Yeah. Or unless it was in a joke way. Yeah. Do you know, like, like I might say something that's real, and this is very Irish as well, like, just say there's be a bowl of sweets or something on the table, and I take one. And I'm like, I oh, don't let the tell a person now onto the sweets. I'll be filling me bag. Yeah. Just making a fucking self-deprecating joke. So you're disarming them before they can use it against exactly, you. Exactly before they can say. So, and then I'd be putting on like my my nice RT voice now. That oh, yes. very nice. And like you know, yes, I can absolutely get this show off the ground for you. Fucking bullshit. Do you know what I mean? That's not how I sound. <laughs> and nobody needs to. And even on RT still nowadays, you don't hear a lot of like our accents, no. which is such a shame, because um, we're a lot more. Do you know what? I got in desperate trouble a couple of years ago because I said online uh, that I don't like the Dublin accent speaking Irish, right? Mm. And there's nothing wrong with it. I just to me to my ears it sounds wrong. Well, and the reason I think that is because that's what I was brought up by people who spoke Munster and Connacht Irish, yeah, right? And yeah. I was always told that how we spoke was wrong. And I said that, and there was native Irish speakers going, "There's nothing wrong with it." And I was going, "No, no, I'm not trying to discourage people. Wow. I'm just trying to tell you how it makes me feel." Mm-hmm. And that was the point where I realised I was actually a little bit ashamed of where I'm from yeah so we build all these things around us these pieces of paper are supposed to say more about who we are than we can ourselves exactly and this accent that you know that we here we're in Stockholm Sweden right now right? I have to make myself understood here mm-hmm. right so it's going to be difficult if the two of us are speaking here now and the hotel staff go they're not going to have a clue right? what we're saying so but that's one thing that's communication of right? course but when we're trying to put this front on when we go into Dublin for we go yes a documentary yes I would love to do Absolutely. that series yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk budgets you know yeah. and that kind of thing but why can't Can I just point out something very funny as well? Yeah. Right, so see the way, because uh, I did some study about post-colonialism, obviously in college, right? And there's a funny little thing that we learned of Irish people when they're trying to speak of someone of higher class. Mm. We never put on necessarily a D4 accent. We tend to put on, like the way there, you just did a little English accent there, okay? English, yes. And if you ever notice, people... Um, that are at St. Pat's or Rovers or whatever, like uh, League of Ireland games. Yeah. Or, and if, do you know they might be shouting at someone, uh, you fell over, you fell over, <laughs> and we put on this, right? That's a post-colonial mindset because we still think there's people in people in power and people are better than us, we still see as the British. As being the English thing, as yeah. As the English thing. That's amazing. So if you know, you'll notice that a lot of Irish people do when we're, when we're trying to say, like, do an impression of like someone that's like higher class or higher power. And it's the same, someone that's we think is like of higher or better advantage of us so above us like, above yeah. us exactly yeah. it's the same way like in, in these League of Ireland you'll hear youngflas from Ballyferm and Ballymun they're like oh you fell over <laughs> you fell over right, I can't look I'm terrible football I don't know anyone but like just say they're slagging like in English football or whatever yeah, yeah. they'll put on that English accent and it's nearly like an authority instead of saying you fell over you fell over it's like it doesn't it, fit in it like, doesn't yeah. fit in so it's like it's and again it, and look this is just to say like it was just a little interesting post-colonial study that we had done yeah and we could pick up examples. And it was just when you did it there, I was like, because that's what we do, okay? It's such an obvious thing, really, isn't it? Yes, of course. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? We're talking pull out my vocal cords if I sounded like that. Do you know what I mean? We we bring out the worst in each other as well because we (laughs) both speak so fast, like everyone is trying to get in before the other. Um, Your time in LA, as you said, you were happy there up to a point and then things sort of started to fall apart and then you started to rebuild yourself. But that sort of dovetailed with your visa running out, mm-hmm. right? And for a long time on social media, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up. No, you, were, you were Anya in LA. Yes. Right? And you had the podcast Anya in LA, which was absolutely brilliant. It was <laughs> comedy go all the time. <laughs> uh, episodes would be dropping and I'd be getting like, yes. <laughs> and they're still out there if anybody wants yeah, to go yeah, listen to it because somewhere. it's a great diary of it. But did that sort of 
change the way you were going to sort of attack the problem of rebuilding yourself and recovering yourself and healing yourself, do you think? In what way do you mean with the label of being on in LA or the podcast? Or no, what well, I mean, all of a sudden, the, you had to change the stage that you were on. You had to, the, a change of scenery had to happen because you had to leave America in order mm-hmm. to apply for a new visa or a green card or whatever it was you were going to do. So no matter, even if you wanted to stay and even if you were really, really happy there, you were still going to be forced to change for at least for a little while. Yeah. You know? Did that sort of affect it? Because you ended up going back to Ireland right about a year ago. You went home to, to celebrate Christmas and then you went back to America and then came and back then again. And then came back then, yeah, yeah, around my visa. So to be fair, like I still wasn't owning up. When I came back last Christmas last year and, and when I came back, I was, and I'm putting air quotes, I was coming home for Christmas, but I wasn't. I was coming home because I was in the depths of depression. And I remember the day before I booked my hotel or my flight home. So I wasn't planning to come home for Christmas. I was still in this, again, depths of depression is what I call it. And I had to stay in a hotel the night before. And I remember I sat up most of the night crying and I contacted my therapist and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me and I can't get a fix. So do I go for medication? Like, what is wrong with me? I couldn't, I was, I was just like, please just tell me. So we were talking about things and she was like, what would you love now if you could have anything? Like, what would it be right now? Like, you know, because like I said, right, my, my, living situation fell apart my job situation fell apart my visa kind of was falling apart because my lawyer was like are we booking you another visa like you need to do it now on you need to apply in December Um, my car I had remember I told you I had a stalker I had someone stuck a tracker on my car so like I couldn't even drive to the hotel because I was like is this person following me so loads of different things were happening right Mm. so so my therapist like asked me she was like what do you need do you want all of these situations to be fixed you want one situation like what is it you need and I was like, I feel like I just want to go home. Mm. And it was like the tears stopped. My nervous system relaxed because that was the right answer. Now, I should have probably went home before that right. until I got to the alarm bells. But I didn't. And that's fine because that was my journey. Mm. So when I booked, I literally booked my, net and my flight on, they say, the 20th or 21st or something of December last year. And I rang my family and I, like, so literally like, yeah, my, my tears dried up. I calmed down. I was like, that's the answer. I need to go home. It was like a light bulb moment. I was like, I need to go home. That simple. Because I hadn't really thought of it up until then. Mm. I was like, maybe I'll go home for a week or whatever. Or whatever. I wasn't really thinking of Ireland because I was like, no, I live in LA now. This is my whole like, identity. This is home. Like, this yeah. is home now. This is where my, like I was still like uh, kind of dating someone and there was all these, I had my life there, right? And I was like, oh my God, it just felt, it, w- it was like the day I stepped off the flight when I arrived for, in LA from Vegas. I was like, I have to move here. And that was it then. It was just mm-hmm. like, it's going to happen. And it was like the minute I said, I need to go home. That was the right thing for me. So I rang my family. I was like, oh yeah, I'm coming home for Christmas. See you in a few days, whatever. Pick me up on, you know, Ticker tape to parade down through Tallow. Exactly, yeah. He's like, I'm coming home. So um, yeah, I flew in on New Year's or Christmas Eve. And I remember I didn't even own up to the fact, because I probably didn't know, but people were like, oh my God, you're home for the holidays. When are you going back? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like maybe next week. And I kind of, I didn't know myself. Mm. I was like, I don't know. All I knew was I felt very happy, safe and secure and loved in Ireland. Do you know mm. what I mean? So I was like, this is just where my body needs to be right now. Because all of a sudden I'm getting up and I'm showering. All of a sudden, you know. I, I'm, I'm human again. I'm human again. I felt a bit of myself. <laughs> and I think then when I kind of, because I also as well, I felt there was part of me that felt I left, let my family down or my dad down. Because again, I was the one that was like, I'm making it. Look what I'm doing the for The trailblazer us. for the, the family. The trailblazer yeah. for the family. Generational curses are going to be broken with me. Money, blah, blah, all of this, all of this fake bullshit identity right I was the one that was providing that so then for me to come home and be crying in my dad's arms your tail like, between Dad, your legs yeah 
and I, I didn't even tell him about say, the stalker situation but I was just telling him I was like dad I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't think I can live there I don't think I'm happy there and he was just like oh of course he was like oh my god no okay stay here yeah. so I went back um, but I went back to like pack up my stuff yeah. like that's the only reason I went back and even when I was back there it was great and it, you know I celebrated like a birthday and I remember I was at this lovely event with all these beautiful beautiful people that I met in LA at my birthday event but I knew I was saying goodbye to LA for a very long time now to them some of them like nobody knew I was like oh my visa's out now because it was it was literally out like three days later so I had to get out there anyway but I was like oh like I'll see you I'll be back soon but like probably th- I was I was like I don't know if I'm fucking coming back soon all I know you, is like, you knew that when you were saying that you're I kind of yeah like just part of me was like oh I think I'm back so I don't know what's going to happen yeah. Grant see you later and I came home and then since then it's just been rebuilding on strong foundation and strong identity myself that doesn't involve a bachelor's degree doesn't involve any accolades doesn't involve any money in my bank doesn't involve pe- like you know a ring on my finger or a house like that's big massive with seven bedrooms a car that is like the most expensive or the clothes on my back because mm. that's where my old identity was it, none of that I have a whole new identity that's rock solid just based on the fact that I'm a human being and I deserve to be here Would it be fair to say that previously you were looking for things that were external validations and now you've gone 180 degrees and you're only looking for things that are internal validations because in all the time I've known you and this is the first time that we've sat you know across the table from one another done this right but you are to a certain extent still the same person yeah you come across as being completely different now because there's no more desire for those external things no. you honestly don't care what I think of you right no we get on great but you don't care what I think of, of course you not because it comes from within now yeah what has got you to this point where you can just ignore all those external things so and I think I started to talk about this earlier in the podcast but of course I like took us off somewhere else so look, we could be here all night yeah you know? yeah yeah <laughs> when you when you asked me what was it when I was in LA that like I guess rebuild you asked me a really good question about like well what was it that got you to that point then yeah. to, to be able so and I spoke about having a working class like identity and that was an identity I was running away from right it was honestly I was so scared of that of being someone that was on social welfare lying in bed all day right that was I was terrified of that because I'd, I'd witnessed that mm. in my family and and not through any fault of their own mental health issues right yeah, because yeah. that's it it's not it's not like oh I'm just it's not a lifestyle choice it's not a lifestyle choice this is what breaks my heart about people that are like shunned for being that it's like well no if we get into these communities and actually help people but Mm -hmm. anyway that's you know another topic another podcast so I was so avoiding that part of myself I was like I can't look at that and look we're fragmented human beings naturally anyway so there was that fragment of myself I wasn't willing to look at but then my higher self literally made me bed bound and dependent on social welfare for a while mm. because I literally had nothing else because I couldn't physically get up out of bed to go and work mm. and even at that there was times I was taking some work that I could do online just to try even say to myself no I'm not this but then some like I was losing that then as well so it was like everything just got taken away from me every bit of the foundation was plummeted and cemented or not cemented like taken away mm. And it was like, now we are starting from scratch here. Yeah. And you are going to welcome that version of yourself in. You're going to show support and love to your ancestors and your family and your generational ancestors that have gone through that possibly. And it's not about like all the accolades and this and the other. So like there was one day I was lying there. I was in my pajamas. I was, 
I think applying for social welfare or I was like right what am I doing here like or whatever mm. I was lying in the pyjamas and I was crying and uh, again probably hadn't showered probably eating shit whatever it was I was just in the depths of it again and something a voice the same voice that probably would have told me to go to LA and the same voice that told me to come home right the higher self the higher power said to me you have to learn to be happy in this version of yourself mm. this girl that's lying here in the pyjamas if that's all you can offer the world on you if that's all you can be to someone is that person are you okay with that mm. and then it was like a light again the light bulb I was like oh, that's it I just need to know that I'm okay like this so because I've been there and I've met her now that version of me I'm like oh my god I love her now mm. and I'm like yeah there is like I love that version of myself and I respect my family that have gone through all that and mm. couldn't get out of it and stuff so for me, I think I just took that version of myself in my arms and I just loved on her so much. And instead of beating myself up for lying on the couch, eating shit and not having a shower, I was like, enjoy these extra yeah. pack of king or potato, uh, of course, tato, never king. Have these <laughs> extra pack of tato. If you're sitting here and you want to drink seven cups of tea in your pajamas and not wash, you do that, love, if that's what you need. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I started treating myself like a loving child mm. and started being like, I would never shout at my niece if she was lying on the couch all day upset yeah. and get, get into that shower now. I would never. So yeah. why would I speak to myself like that? So I was like, lie there, relax. So it was only when I met her and brought her and welcomed her into me that I was like, oh, this is my identity is here. Mm. And and that's okay. That's, she can just be that and be loved as much. Yeah. So that's it. So everything else is just fucking fugazi bullshit. Mm. Like I'm I'm at like baseline level now. So nobody nobody's opinion can kind of like attack me now. Because I'm like, oh no, it's fine. Like I have a great opinion of myself now. I love myself enough. Yeah. It's genuine love. Yeah. You know? None of these things is like, you become kind of, you've become kind of bulletproof in the last little while, you know, where yeah. you don't worry about, you know, the negative comments or the negative interactions or that kind of thing because yeah. and the great thing is that you know you're not burdened by any of these things no. anymore you can just move on from them you know? no I drive a zero seven course the car or Opel course I think it is or an Astra I don't know I never you know. wouldn't have been seen dead in one of them Come five in, years ago you telling me like five years ago fucking two years ago like even in LA I got like you a had a huge Cooper. car as well didn't I you I got an Escalade that was the <laughs> first thing what a fucking wanker what a tick right I draw I remember I went to the garage and bought this seven seater Escalade it was, it was you could have lived in it it was literally like Khloe Kardashian's car that's what I wanted I was like I'm going to be in LA and driving a fucking Escalated, right? And that's it. <laughs> Disgusted, right? I remember I went into the garage and I bought it. And the guy was like, Oh, like, do you have like loads of kids? And I was like, No, it's just for me. And he was like, Oh, okay. And like, I remember I drove out the garage with this Escalade that couldn't even get parking because it's like, parking <laughs> it's is the worst in LA. Long. It's like 50 feet long. And I was like, There I am driving around LA in my sunglasses on an Escalade. I was like, What a fucking tick. What am I going to do now? What am I going to do? And eventually then I sell it. But even at that, I sold and bought like a Mini Cooper, you know, so it was still yeah. whatever. I came back from Ireland. I was like, give me the nearest car to just get me around. And like, I drive a little zero seven course and I'm happier than I was in any of those cars. Even before I went, I drove a Nissan Qashqai, beautiful white SUV Jeep as well. Like, and, but you know, so it's just bullshit. It means nothing. It says nothing. It says nothing, means nothing. Mm. And that's the thing, like, sometimes people look and kind of double take when I pull up in the car because mm. they're kind of like oh I'm not used to seeing on you kind of like you know yeah. it may be something like this do you know what I, was, I came to one of the Stockholm Gales soccer matches there uh, during the season right and I drove up in this tiny little Volkswagen Polo that's like from 2017 or whatever else right the reason I have it is because same thing I can park it anywhere I can park it in a snooker pocket if yeah, I have to right love it and the one of the lads said to me I didn't think you drive a car like that <laughs> 
it's and, like, there was, and I was thinking, does that say something about me or does it say something about him? Yeah, you know, now you, you, you might come across as somebody who, you know, might drive an Escalade, for instance. Like, you know, I seriously don't want to do that either. No, you know? no, no. One of the things that you've been doing since you came back to Ireland and one of the things you've been doing more and more lately, even after the summer, is you seem to me to have sort of, you know, two parallel careers at the moment. That You're still working the things that we've always worked in, in mm-hmm. media and in acting and that kind of thing. But you're also working a lot with wellness, particularly for women and for people, just mental health in general. Yeah. How was that? What's the plan for that? Where do you want to go with that? Like, yeah, similar to the way I said to you, like if I was called to do something, you know, to be a fisher woman in Sweden, I would just say yeah to that as well. So I kind of tend to lead by my gut, like let my higher self guide me. And I think part of it is part of my own healing journey as well. I would have been, I would have denied my feminine energy, feminine self for a long time. Because I was constantly in my masculine of go, 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 do, 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 try, 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 fight, 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 go, Competitive, go. like, you know, has, has to be the best. 100%. That, yeah. I was very uncomfortable in, I was more comfortable in male-dominated areas mm. than I was in women-dominated areas. Yeah. Say. I felt more comfortable if I was sitting around a table of men because I felt I could kind of relate to them more. Yeah. And it's because I was denying the lovely female aspects of myself just by being a woman, right? Yeah. So for me, part of, it's funny that I'm now in this world or venturing into the world of women's wellness because it's, like I said, it comes from my own healing in a sense that I never knew feminine energy or that there was a feminine part of me that needed to heal or whatever, right? Mm. Until again, I was no choice but had to look at this. So I think for me then, to, to welcome them aspects in I was like oh for me to be a happy version of myself or the, the best version of myself or the more productive version of myself doesn't mean I need to be like a man right mm, yeah and again it goes back to like even what we said about the post-colonial when we think of power we think of men mm-hmm. man's power masculine power yeah. male power right because that's what we've seen. Hmm. Men run the world, men lead the world, men are the trailblazers. So women tend to adopt those characteristics and that identity because we think that that's what we need to succeed. Yeah. So for me, part of this journey now and this career that I am kind of going into is coming from a, a space of wanting to be a w- be a productive like you know like business woman still that like but like with the feminine parts of myself so mm. I'm no longer leaving them parts behind so again it's like the fragmented self right I'm bringing all aspects of myself so now I fully want to be in my feminine divine energy so like mm. now I no longer want to sit around boardroom tables with fucking men that think important are yeah. again quotes important thoughts and say important words that's not where I'm at anymore mm. so I think, um, although I still love TV and film and I still have my toe in it, I I have just started to go down. And again, it's the universe that brings you this stuff, right? So, like, all of a sudden I'm back in Ireland and I'm doing this, like, women's work myself, like, around my own femininity. And then all of a sudden I'm being asked to, like, maybe speak at these events Mm. or maybe I'm asked to mc some of these events i i emceed a wonderful event a few weeks ago um for jen zen wellness and yep. basically it was for two days in prior thomas prior hall beautiful woman's women's event and it was fantastic and like i spoke to so many women there and just from talking about my own life like they were coming up and they were like god like you know you're really inspiring not because I was getting up talking about, oh, I, do, I did this in L.A. and I had this and yeah. I have blah, blah, blah. Look at all these things they I have They didn't know done. any of that about me, exactly. I was up there talking about 
one day uh, crying so hard that I pissed myself. That's what I was talking about in my healing journey. So like these. But well, most people would use this for stand up. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm like, no, this is. I was like, ladies, healing is not glamorous and fun and gorgeous or whatever. They're yeah. like, it's not weeping and hugging a tree. Like. Do, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's sometimes you're sitting on your kitchen lino floor, right? Pissing yourself in your council house. <laughs> you know Cry, I mean? Crying so hard that you're doing that. Crying so hard that you're, that you're peeing yourself. And that's absolutely fine. So anyway, because of that and because I'm very open and honest, then women are kind of able to be like, oh, okay. Like, the, you know, and, and kind of relate to that funniness then as well. Yeah. So, so then I just started and I would be a big manifester. And again, look, manifestor is just like a fancy word of like, you know, whatever you believe about yourself is going to come out in your reality. So so you are literally the only person I will listen to when they start talking about this, yeah, right? Because so many people go, well, well, if, if, I, if I think I'm going to be a millionaire, will yeah. I be a millionaire? And you go, you've just missed the fucking part, part completely, yeah, right? Yeah. When you talk about that, <laughs> because like, I really need to hammer this point home to people, like, yeah. right? Explain to me what you mean when you talk about that, right? Yeah. Manifesting to you, and this is you said this to me last night, right? It's simply a way of being happy and loving yourself and accepting yourself. It's not about things. No. Right? We've already established that, exactly. right? Exactly. That they're bullshit. That's the thing. You've already established that. Like, no car, no job, no amount of money is going to make... There's no happiness there's in no any happiness of those things. There's no happiness in any of those things. Yeah. yeah, there's a fleeting, you know, little orgasmic moment in it for a while. But, like, it's not a long last and, you mm. know, it's not solid. Like, so... And again, it's not internal happiness either. Right? Again, yeah. it's external. You, you spoke about that earlier. So um, for me, what manifesting is, is literally the world mirrored back to you. It's your self-concept of yourself. Mm. So there's part of me that would have went through life, the high achiever, because I knew I could do this and I was going to do this and yeah. get all this blah, blah, blah. Right. So all of that, I could see that then in my world. But then when it came to like self-worth and who I was as a person and self-love, People could possibly, I could sit in a boardroom around a table, like I said, possibly with a load of men and let them, I wouldn't speak up for myself mm. or I would let them put me down or I would say, make this fucking Tala joke. Yeah. So that's my self-concept. So although I was there beating the drum of being like, oh yeah, like fucking producer and glamorous and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Great feminist uh, sticking oh, up for your girls the whole lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd be sitting there then and let some absolute Egypt fucking tell me you know oh well look we'll talk about that later or like put me down or yeah, yeah. like even then in relationships as well like I would sometimes I would be the anxious attacher or then I would be the avoidant attacher depending I was never the secure attachment Yeah. Um, and that's for anyone I guess that would know their own attachment style so I was constantly going in between this so again the world was mirroring my own self concept mm. my own self beliefs and all them beliefs are coming from the, the working class self, the, the person that maybe a teacher told me I was never going to Mount Hatton, like I said, or mm. whatever it could be. There's loads of different times I was in a dance school and I used to show up and me leotard was dirty and mm. all these things, right? That mean nothing, but obviously when you're a child, it's like affecting you on a deeper level. So you keep that trauma in your body. So the world is going to show you what you really think of yourself. Mm. So you're going to meet men, if you're, if you're dating men, you're going to meet men that will reflect this back to you and, mm. and also treat you like a piece of shit or abandon you or you will abandon them. The world is literally just going to be a whole mirror for yourself. So like, yeah. you know, driving the fancy cars and then, but then the car would break down. Yeah. Or I would I would manifest um, a certain, like a job, a really good job, but then be treated like shit by the other producers that were on the job set yeah. or, or not be getting paid enough. Yeah. And like, you know, just in different things, it was all mirror now. So, 
and like again I'd get the big lump sum of money but I could never keep it mm. or I could never make it be something that was last and it was always in one hand out the other yeah, yeah. so all of that and that's because there's a part of me that doesn't believe I like was a part of me that believed I didn't deserve money mm. um, didn't know what to do with money didn't didn't deserve to sit at a table with people from D4 that went to Trinity College yeah, yeah. you know so all of these things and, and that showed up for me in my mirror self people would always ring me and offer me like lower money like just say like oh well we have this job but you know we're on a budget we can only pay you this amount but that's not on them absolutely not on them like that's they're showing me what I think about myself I think I'm only worth them offering that to me yeah I can never make it into a sustainable thing I could never make it into a sustainable thing because I thought that of myself Mm. do you know what I mean and then like I said eventually everything just gets taken away from you so you're just like okay you get the value that you place upon yourself as well don't you you yeah it's going to play out and the world is literally our mirror so if someone is sitting at home listening to this in a relationship that possibly they're not being respected in a job that they're not getting paid their their monetary worth or treated how they deserve to be treated I would ask them to, to instead of looking outwards and saying like oh well it's the job and it's him and it's her and it's this and it's that and it's the kids and it's the job it's not looking inside yourself because people are showing up for you how you are perceiving them to show up hmm. you know and there's always things you know like uh, uh, there's always a risk that when we say things like that that we're saying that the onus is on everybody there are structural things there are things that you shouldn't Absolutely. be exposed to at all and not for one second are we suggesting here that certain situations that you find yourself in or certain things that happen to you are your own fault not the case at all but just in the general scheme of things, and this is what resonates so much when I talk to you, on you, is that you do get what you give, you know? Yeah. And I've often felt it weird that, you know, we talked before, I remember giving out to you very recently about the fact that, you know, it's like certain people who don't employ me who think I'm brilliant, but they just don't employ me more. Yeah. And, and you're there going, well, you know, that may not be on them. That may be on what you're putting out there. And that's hard to, to look at, right? It, it is, yeah. yeah. And you know, like, I kind of get annoyed with you when you say things like that to me, but then I end up having to do something about it because you're right. You yeah, know, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. what do I need to change here to make myself more accessible to these yeah. people? A year on almost from finding that ticket, uh, the, 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 the last tickets back to Ireland yeah. uh, for, for Christmas time and that kind of thing. Are you happy now? Oh my God, I honestly, I, I don't think I've ever felt as good as I'm nearly going to tear up with the emotion and the love I have for myself and like God I've oh my God I just yeah am I happy I'm absolutely so happy in myself I'm so in love with myself and I don't need anything for to make that so do you get me so it's not you wake up in the morning it's there I wake up in the morning I'm just like okay well where am I going to go today what will I do today okay I'll go to because this is another thing as well I no longer feel I need 10 grand in my bank every month Mm. to be oh well uh, I need to be this version of myself and da 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 it's like no I just like so the fact that I don't care actually I just want to use this as an example I was on set a few weeks ago uh, working on a really big show and there was a guy I was talking to and he was slogging he was one of the standby grips and anyone that's in that world he was fucking slogging all the bits on his back and it was raining and da da and we were talking about something he was saying he was getting something done to his house and then that same breath complained about the job right so there's you know self-concept straight away so yeah. I turned around to him and I was like the house that you live in now and the renovation you're getting done now is this worth how you're seeing yourself here and feeling now he was getting paid obviously very good money yeah. I was like is this worth it for you and he was like Anya not one fucking bit I'd love to be living in a one bed apartment and I was like that's it because people realise when you're getting that and you're not feeling good about it sure what's the point yeah. you know what I mean so like 
I've in terms so, of materials like I've nothing Marie Kondo things like does a spark joy yeah you know? does a spark joy and it sounds kind of ridiculous at the same time as well she's kind of right yeah isn't she? of course you know? like like this spark me coming out here today to see you sparked joy within me because I'm knowing I'm meeting up with someone that is on a similar level as me and I could be very much myself with you and and, and look even if I felt I couldn't be there's probably a good chance I wouldn't be around someone anyway that yeah, I can't yeah. be myself with but just a little example you stopped the podcast for me so I could run to the loo right now you're, if you would have interviewed me a year ago I would have sat here bursting to need to go toilet cro- closing my legs just so you wouldn't think I was a tick or that you wouldn't be like the cheeky bitch or her going to the toilet I would have yeah. sat here and made myself I don't have time for this Yeah, I, exactly I would have sat there and been the uncomfortable person and therefore given you my power as much mm. as you're so lovely and you're absolutely beautiful but in that moment I would have been like no I'll sit here uncomfortable doing this interview for him yeah. just so he won't think less of me but I was like no no, no I'm going to stop this because I don't deserve my body to be uncomfortable no exactly. exactly and we can't have the conversation you know if you're sitting there going exactly. I really need to be exactly know? and we shouldn't give our power away to people anyway mm. that's the thing you well, that's a, well the, the thing is if you feel that you can't respect or that I don't respect you enough to let you go to the bathroom when you need to well then we sh- probably shouldn't even be then sitting then I don't here, respect you know? myself <laughs> exactly yeah. then I don't respect I don't respect myself enough to turn around to you and be like I'm just going to go to the loo because I'm, I'm really uncle-. and I was bursting do you know what I mean it had so, to be done yeah of course now look if I thought I could have held it but I genuinely I was like if I don't go now I'm going to be peeing my pants again like there there you go. I was going to say we, do, we speak quick enough but when one of us needs to go to the bathroom yeah, it gets yeah, even quicker right? right this place is starting to fill up I have yeah. one last question for you and I'm so delighted that we finally 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 got to do this right from California to California yes to Stockholm I yeah. never thought that this would be I where know. we'd end up doing it right but here we are doing it what's next uh, like do you care where you live anymore do you care about you know really this fucking matter honestly, at all honestly no I live kind of out of a bag like I really <laughs> do I live out of a and until and, and that's only for now so that's what I mean in a, six months time we could do this podcast and I could be like oh I'm living here now and I'm you know I'm staying here for the next while so I literally does a spark joy does my gut feel comfortable? Yeah. Does my nervous system feel relaxed doing this and doing these different things? Yeah. And I'll just keep following that gut guidance all the time. So, like, it doesn't mean, and again, this is for listeners sitting at home, if they're doing something that they absolutely love now and they're happy, be open that in a few months you might change. And yeah. that's okay as well. Like, I was looking up the other day, Erlingus were looking for female pilots, and I was like, I want to learn how to fly about. Like, why not? Yeah. So I'll probably be doing that. And like why not like my cousin that lives in Switzerland texted me and she said why are you in Sweden and I was like why am I in Sweden I I don't know what the answer where else would I be why exactly why like why not why are you sitting at home like do you know what I mean so people do different things (laughs) why are you annoying me over this and you could be doing something exactly I'm like who cares why I'm in Sweden it's because I'm just I'm in Sweden now today do you know what I mean like it's fine live out like (laughs) if I asked you to predict where you'll be this time next year where do you think have you any idea of where you might be yeah I do feel I'm definitely going into the world of women's wellness for sure and I'm starting a manifestation coaching class or sorry I'm I'm bringing people in to to be a facilitator for manifestation and self-concept and all this for women and I'm starting that next week so I know for in a year's time I'll be fully working probably online Mm. and like still just traveling the world and just my main thing is to help women especially young girls Mm. I wish I knew this about myself I wish I didn't have to try be a man to be a successful woman and I just want to get like I look at my nieces now who are 16 and 12 and I'm like I want to make sure that they don't go through any of the thoughts around that I've had or had any of them experience or if they do because they might 
that they, they can let them go then yeah, and they can, they can and it doesn't become part of their self-concept because then they'll start to see that mm. played out in their life. So in a year's time, I think I'll have a very, I will have a very successful women's wellness business for sure online. I'll probably have applied to Aer Lingus for the pilot because I think that just sounds so interesting. Fucking go do it. And God knows, I'll, I'll probably be like, I don't know where I'll be. I'll mm. let you know where I am next December. Where can people find you online and get involved with this uh, manifestation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, well, I'm on, look, Anya O'Neill. I'm on Instagram, like Anya in Era now, because obviously yeah. I'm not in L- Anya in LA. So Anya in Era, but Anya O'Neill on TikTok, Anya O'Neill on um, Instagram. I'm on Twitter as well, Anya O'Neill. So you'll find me. <laughs> you'll find me. You won't have to look too far. And anybody who is looking to get in touch with Anya O'Neill, and I'm sure she'd be more than happy to discuss anything that she, you've, she, you've heard on this podcast Definitely. with her. So get in touch. Let's go gate crash a party, you and me. Yes, I love it. That's what I'm here for. Thanks so much for talking to me, Anya. Thanks, love. <laughs> Would you wish, Kathleen? I'm trying to listen to that awful Egypt Philip O'Connor on the Global Gale podcast. He's wrong about everything again, and I want to call him out. There you go, lads. Isn't she just amazing? The wonderful Anya O'Neill there. And I don't think that's the last you're going to be hearing of her on this podcast. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Anya in Era. A-I-N-E-I-N-E-I-R-E. You'll find her. Like, she's loads of followers on Instagram, that kind of thing. Or just hit me up on Instagram and I'll put the two of in touch. A wonderful person altogether. I am going to sign off for this week, ladies and gentlemen. But And we're going to do it in a very special way, right? Because this is uh, the time of the year, the most wonderful time of the year. And I got a lovely email the other day from John and Danny Morgan. You will have heard them on the podcast earlier this year talking about their play, Brendan, Son of Dublin. Uh, they're playwrights. Danny is a brilliant singer and songwriter. Uh, John is a tremendous writer of absolutely anything. And they did a brilliant, brilliant show in London about Brendan Bean. And, you know, it was fantastic because Bean is my favourite Irish writer of all time. He's just the one that I most relate to. And I know that they've worked on other shows as well. And they have a new one in the pipeline, I think, that we spoke about as well. I'm not sure if we did so online or offline. Go back and listen to that. But Danny has written a brilliant Christmas song, and we're going to play out on that. Uh, There may, as I say, be another podcast before Christmas. We're hoping that the discussions about the Global Gale Awards, that maybe we can announce some of them and do a sort of a special podcast uh, just before Christmas. We might try and drop it, you know, on on the 24th or the 23rd, so you can have a listen to it, get in the Christmas spirit while listening to the Global Gale podcast, getting the last of shopping done, peeling the spuds, getting the sprouts and water and getting the turkey in the oven lads don't leave it out in the back garden especially if you have a dog like t- t- believe me right I'm telling you by experience here right but let us play out with this wonderful wonderful tune from Danny Morgan uh, this is called Christmas Like the Old Days uh, I don't know if it's out anywhere but yeah certainly if you search for Danny Morgan and Christmas Like the Old Days it might pop up on Spotify if not she'll always have it here and you can stick it on come Christmas time uh, my name is Philip O'Connor as I say patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm and if you can't support the podcast because they will always be free right there's no, never going to be a financial barrier to this content right please share it lads okay and especially because I think Anya deserves it that wild tale of hers absolutely deserves it but uh, find somebody that you can send it to on WhatsApp or a DM on Instagram or something like that because every little helps grown this podcast because we are growing a community of 70 million people here right listen if I don't talk to you before Christmas have a wonderful Christmas have a very happy new year and we'll be back to you very soon again with the winners of the Global Gale Awards and with more episodes of the Global Gale Podcast. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of one another. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, good luck. I hear the choir sing I hear the church bells ring It's just
just a special thing Christmas like the old days And where did they go When we were young and old I remember playing Christmas like the old days I see the fire lit Little hands and little mitts It's just a given thing Christmas like the old days And why did they go When we were young and old I remember chestnuts all Christmas like the old days Time for Carolyn I'm tiny Tim Ebenezer's been Santa's sleigh Is on his way Hear the children play Christmas like the old days.